I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Coming up today, we've got must-hear music with Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Joe Lynch. And it's one of three pop shop shows this week focusing on all things Taylor Swift. Joe and the team will be talking about Taylor's brand new album, Reputation. So stick around for that in just a moment. As always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. So, fun fact about Taylor Swift on the charts. It was a little over 10 years ago she got her first number one on a Billboard chart, when her self-titled debut album hit number one on the Top Country Albums chart dated August 4th. 2007. The album spent 24 weeks at number one, and the diva would continue to chart on the country albums chart with new releases up through 2012's Red. Of course, her 2014 album, 1989, was her first full-on pop record, and that did not chart on the top country albums chart. And her new album, Reputation, will not chart on the country albums chart either. But I think it's probably going to debut at number one on the Billboard 200. (laughs) I think we can safely say that that's probably a sure thing. So, Let's get into it on uh, Must Hear Music. I'm sorry, the old Must Hear Music podcast can't come to the phone right now. Why? Uh, just because we're doing something different. We're just going to do a an all-Taylor Swift-centric podcast right now. Um, by popular Twitter fan request, we are just going to talk about uh, Taylor Swift's reputation on the podcast um, so, yeah, but it's still must your music. I'm here with Andrew Unterberger. Hey, what's up, Joe? And Lindsay Havens. I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right. how, how do you feel about that? I mean, you did warn me, but I just yeah. had no idea what was coming. It was an admirable job covering up your mouth so that they wouldn't hear you laughing over Joe's intro. Thank though. you. Thank yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> Appreciate that. Suppressed <laughs> laughter. Um, so, yes, as anyone, I mean, it's inescapable. Taylor Swift has yes. a new album, it's her sixth album. It is called Reputation. Um, you know, 
it's not on Spotify yet, so there's a good chance that if you're not a, a Taylor Stan, you have not heard the full thing. Did you instinct like did you instinctively check Spotify for it on Thursday night? Yes, I mean just I to so. see. I was just curious. Oh, okay. Like, um, it, it definitely like took me a minute to realize that I was gonna have to pay money if I wanted to listen to the whole thing. Legit. Yes, I forgot yes. to. I mean okay. that that crossed my mind as well. But actually, so I, I purchased it on iTunes, and then I actually ended up buying it a second time because my friend yeah. was at Target, <laughs> and she was like, "Do you want the copy that comes with the magazine?" And I was like, well, "Yeah, yeah. I kind of wow. do." So so tomorrow I'm getting my copy with the the Taylor Target exclusive magazine, which. I believe oh. has exclusive images and poetry. In it. So, <laughs> you know, I, I actually like people were circulating. I think the intro to the magazine online, and I actually really liked what she said in there. So mm-hmm. I can't judge well, what's too the hard. General gist of it. It was just basically talking about reputations and how you, at a certain point, you just can't care. Um, Don't give a damn about your bad reputation. Mm-hmm. Basically, she was just quoting that song the entire time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant poet written by Joan. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant poem written by Joan Jett. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Some of the lines I really like, but I can't remember what they were now. You can't quite quote the, the Swift mm. poetry yet? No, no. Bummer. Um, well, anyway, so let's talk about it. So Taylor Swift Reputation, um, we've got 15 tracks. Unlike past albums, there will be no... It seems like there'll be no bonus tracks to this, because in lieu of the Target bonus tracks that usually come with their albums, there's this magazine thing. So it seems like this is what we get. This is the mm-hmm. full, complete statement. For a new Taylor. I think that's sort of the thing now. Like, I don't think artists really do deluxe editions anymore. What they'll do instead is they'll just kind of save songs in case they need to, like, put out a new one. It's like, like what Lady Gaga did with The Cure. I think right. that, that's that's the sort of the game plan now for these big pop artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, let, let's start with it. So we've, we've talked about some of the songs before on the podcast. Um, unfortunately, Jason can't be here right now to admit he was wrong on the last one. But about I am. Call it what you want. <laughs> and I can. To admit you were wrong. <laughs> Um, yes, I've had a turnaround with this song. Yes, Jason has too for, for the funny. score. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, let's let's dig, you know, we heard "Ready for It" a while ago. Um, but what do you guys think of this in the context of the full album as an album opener? One thing I'll say, I love with it as the album opener that the first vocal we hear on the LP is her clearing her mm-hmm. throat. Like, yeah. I think that's a really funny setup. Um, in the context of the album, I like the song way more than I did on its own. I think it makes perfect sense that it would start off the album, like, literally saying, are you ready for this? This is a drastic change. Um, my favorite fan theory that I've read is the dot, 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 starting with ready for it, and then so it goes, dot, 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 mm-hmm. serving as sort of bookends. Um, this is getting a little ahead, but mm-hmm. basically how that, those songs, I think it's like those six or seven songs are all talking about her public persona and her reputation. It's a little more aggressive. And then the second half of the album is more about her personal life. Interesting. Mm, and I, interesting. I totally, yeah. I, who knows if that's true or not, but even when I was listening to the album, I'm like, there's a weird disconnect between the first and second half, so that it does kind of make sense to me. Well, doubly true, because I think like the majority of the first half is a Max Martin and Shellback production, mm-hmm. and the majority of the second half is Jack Antonoff, so it would make sense that they would kind of have those two separate identities. Yeah. This is actually one of my favorite things about the album in general, is that there are these kind of like proggy conceptual touches that appear mm-hmm. throughout. You can kind of go deep on it, and like, yeah, there's like a million fan theories you can have about this album. Yeah. Uh, but, but I agree with you. I, I think it's actually much better in the context of the album, and I, I love those those like opening bass bombs that the song mm-hmm. starts out with. I love that's the first thing you hear on it. And like, like let the games begin. Like, that's, that's just a great way to start off the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the in the middle of the night, in my dreams bridge, I still love, like, Same. it's so... It's, I almost think that could have been its own song. I know. I kind of wish, like, I mean, I do like the song, but I still wish, like, that part is really standout. I almost wish that was 
a song that was more just similar music. Yeah, I agree. Um, that being said, I think it's a good opener. I think it works. Mm -hmm. um, not one of my favorite songs in the album still, but like it. Um, but we've talked about that before, so let's push into Endgame, track number yes. two, which features Future and Ed Sheeran, both of whom rap on it, as well as Taylor. Um, I'm only going to say that I love this. <laughs> I don't know do how it works. Think about it? Like, to this day, when I look at it on paper, I'm like, this is going to be awful. 100%. And then I listen to it, and I'm like, I love this song. Yeah, it makes no sense, but I, I totally agree with you. And, and like yeah. Ed Sheeran rapping, like... There are songs where Ed Sheeran like actually raps. This mm -hmm. this is more like singing in a in a, in a rhythmic flow. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's like there's like weird kind of chemistry on it between the two of them. And yeah. even with Future, like the Future part, I thought would be super shoehorned in and, and totally like he sounds so happy. Yeah, it sounds like he's having a <laughs> good time. Way like, hey, more guys. energetic than he ever does. Well, I know. Ever, but then he usually <laughs> does on especially on a feature. Like usually, yeah. like what you're saying. Do you imagine a feature? You know, for someone like Future, who doesn't really fit into the Taylor Swift world, it would just be one of those, you know, here's half a million dollars and you get this phoned in sort of thing. But, like, mm -hmm. he really sounds invested in it. <laughs> and it's good. And it makes sense in the, like, it almost yeah. sets up the entire track for them. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they, they all kind of, like, there are lines in each verse that mirror each other. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's a nice flow between them. Uh, and you guys notice, I didn't even notice this until today, but like one of the chorus lines is, is like Taylor talking about being on the A team. Yes, yes, which I love is, that. Uh, shout out to and, Ed Sheeran's first single, The A team. And then uh, you hear yeah. him singing A team in A -team. the background towards yeah. the end. Um, I mean, I guess we could, you know, might as well just dive into that fan. So there's with this song and dress, yep. um, which has AI. Out. Uh, Shape of You reference. You, got, you guys are determined to ruin my favorite song on this album, but go on. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people, some people on Twitter <laughs> are saying that it's um, the, like Taylor Swift, like a, a very like roundabout um, a, admission of a, a like quickie affair with Ed Sheeran or maybe mm -hmm. some sort or of like, like... a lust for Ed Sheeran. Or maybe, not a, maybe not an actual, but like a sort of a lust, phrase. a simmering <laughs> lust between these two yes. friends. Um, because dress is entirely about, mm. you know, like it's a bit about someone you thought was a friend, but you're starting to have romantic feelings towards yeah. them and, and Endgame is a similar thing it's kind of about having one thing going on but then like seeing someone else as like your long term mm -hmm. thing um, what what do you what do you think about I think it's a really I just like just in the sense of like insane pop culture theories I love it I Same. don't really know if I think it's, it's true. a reach otherwise I think it's a reach yeah um I don't know. People who think of these, though, creative minds. <laughs> it's true, yeah. I, I would never have come up with this myself, even though like, I'm, I'm a huge uh, kind of Taylor relationship conspiracy theorist. <laughs> like we, we, We've had, like, me, Chris Payne, and uh, Nick Williams, when he, was, when he was working at Billboard, we would spend, like, hours just basically crafting fan fiction about the love triangle between Taylor Swift, Jack Antonoff, and Lord. Oh, that's Which amazing. doesn't actually exist, yeah. I don't think, in any capacity, but... Uh, like, it, yeah. it, there's just so much there if you want there to be. So I, I, I certainly relate to that line of thinking. Uh, and I personally believe, I think I was telling you about this the other day, Joe, I personally believe that, like, Ed Sheeran's entire pop star persona and kind of his, like, newfound Sheeran sexiness is entirely designed to impress Taylor Swift because he thought that she didn't take him seriously. Do you really? Th I don't think that's true. Do I have I any know. evidence of it? No. Okay. Do I really okay. think it? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I uh, think they are good friends and nothing more. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. But, I don't know. Yeah, if I, I, the oh, dress, I'm sure she took him seriously. I mean, like yeah. he's a great songwriter. She respects songwriting. Yeah, but like, there were these stories about how they would like write songs together on the trampoline, and it's like they, I think that she took their relationship like very much on like a like a very innocent mm -hmm. adolescent level. Uh -huh. uh, and if dress is really about Ed Sheeran, <laughs> then clearly uh, her perspective on that matter has shifted over the yeah. years. 
All right. Yeah. But that's our, that's the, I think the only like sort of Paul is dead theory we're yeah. going to delve into on this podcast. Um, okay. So Endgame. Yeah. It, it's like works shockingly well. It's yeah. really fun. It's Her rap strange. is really fun. Um, it is a I really fun song. I love about buried hatchets, but I keep a map of where I put them. Uh-huh. And yeah. then the, I mean, you've got it. Like, it's going to be so much, like, I like listening to it, but like, imagine karaoke saying, I don't love the drama. It loves me. That's going to be like that the most fun in the karaoke. world. The most fun. By the way, a lot of, a lot of acts work on this album in general. She's burying hatchets in this one. And I think, uh, in one of the later ones, she talks about like uh, bringing out the axe for Kanye, and uh, yeah, she's angry. Yeah, she's, she's, she's got <laughs> she's... that that old school uh, revenge anger. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the next track, um, I did something bad. I love this song so much. Okay, what do you love about it? Oh, that's so a great question. I love the production. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the big things that I love, um, and I love it's like making fun of herself almost. She's like, I did something mm-hmm. bad, but like did I? And if I did, so what? You know, it's, again, it's just like commentary on how she's perceived right now. Mm-hmm. This one I'm not 100% on board with. It's really? like, it's maybe taking the rap influences too far for her. I think like the gunshots in the background, I'm like, you're Taylor Swift. Like this doesn't like, Fair. like, eh, this is not your wheelhouse here. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's true. And it's a little bombastic, but I actually like the that's lyrics like. a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, the funny thing for me is like how quickly I just come to a, to accept it all as just Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if, if you had played this song for me eight years ago, it would have sounded like totally shocking, and it would have been yeah. an unbelievably jarring experience. But like, sure, like, I'm, I'm, like now I'm fine with it. She's kind of creeped into it incrementally enough that right. now, like, you know, it just sounds like what Taylor Swift sounds like now. It's, it's, it's surprising. So when she just puts out a straight hardcore rap mixtape, you'll be like, well, this is just well, what Taylor Swift is always doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, the, the, yeah, but it is kind of like that, where it's it, like as soon as she kind of gets in that mood, you forget that she used to totally not sound like it. Right. Uh, That's so true. I'm able to accept songs like this a little bit easier than than I probably should be. Uh, another real quick thing about this, I, I like that uh, the line, uh, they're burning all the witches even if you yes. aren't one. Yes, That is so a great good. line. And I mostly like it because it implies that there are such a thing as witches and that they should be burned. <laughs> But yes. that she might not be one of them herself. <laughs> right. I also uh, love the the chorus. Just I did something bad, but why does it feel so good? Sure. It's like great chorus. Thinking about old Taylor Swift, like she never did anything bad, you know. <laughs> and he, even if she did, she would never admit to it, and it wouldn't feel good. She'd feel guilty. I right. don't know. It's just like she's yes. owning up to who she is or who people think she is. Right. I said. I mean, we uh, Andrew and I. Andrew has the coming around again podcast. Um, we we talked again. about Taylor on that one, which I'm sure will be live by the time this goes live. Mm-hmm. Um, I said something similar. So if anyone happened to hear both, pardon me for repeating <laughs> myself. But um, I I love that on this one, she's like, um, she's grown up a lot in the sense that she's like put herself as like the villain in mm-hmm. a lot of these love stories. Like she's the person on uh, Gorgeous who like has a boyfriend but goes out and tries to, like, meet someone new and then tries to take them home with her. Yeah. Which is something Taylor of, you know, three albums ago would have, you know, found disgusting and horrible. Shameful. Uh, You know, on something bad, she's saying, you know, she did something bad, but it feels great and she would do it again. Like, Mm -hmm. this is very, like, you know, she's, like, grown up kind of past some youthful naivete and is, like, aware that, you know, has basically just lived life. And, you know, I don't want to speak for the entire world, but, like, many people (laughs) in romantic relationships, you're going to find... At some point, you know, that you're not always the victim. Sometimes you look back and you're like, okay, well, I was the bad guy in that one. Yeah. I was the one who did the the wrong thing. And she's, I mean, we, a lot, she gets criticized a lot for kind of 
always playing the victim is interesting that on this album, I feel like she's more like playing the villain than I the victim on anything. So I have a question for you guys. Uh, is this the beginning of Taylor Swift, the pop diva? Like she, you would never really call her a diva before this, I don't think. This is her kind of leaning into like, uh, you know, kind of like the, the, the campier aspects of her appeal mm-hmm. and her kind of, yeah, like you know, playing the villain and kind of, you know, in, enjoying the drama, which, right. is, which is nothing you could really ever say that she's done before. So is, is this kind of the start of that phase of her career, do you think, this song and the album specifically? Um, this I have to call out the last song in order to answer this question. Oh, dear, okay. Um, so jumping ahead again. But if it is a phase, I think it's going to be short-lived for this album cycle only because yet another fan theory is saying that <laughs> um, sort of what the... I know, I was, I was reading it on Billboard.com today. Um, the, what is it, New Year's Day is the last track. Yes. And it's definitely more stripped down, a little more acoustic. And that could almost be a symbol of, like, I'm going to return to something more like this on my next album. So I don't know if it's going to be a long-lasting phase. It might just be for the sake of reputation. I don't know. She always kind of ends her albums on that. Like, Clean, Begin Again, like, New Year's Day. It just stands out so much, though, in comparison to the rest of the album. But there's always, she always ends it with, like, this kind of melancholy, like, the most, the quietest one on the record. Um, But, yeah, no, I don't know if it'll be, I don't know if it's the start of Pop Diva. It's hard to... It's hard to at this point. I genuinely don't know what her next album would sound like, and she probably okay. doesn't either. Like, I feel like she's just yeah, like you know. pretty restless at this point creatively, which is great, which is always exciting to see. Um, but let's move to number four, which I have to. Oh, don't blame me. Mm-hmm. Um, what about this one? I like that she kind of sounds like Florence Welch on it. Yes, there's yeah, there's hmm. definitely it's much more soulful than we've ever. Yeah, heard it's from interesting. Her. Uh, the song itself, like this, is one of the few on the album that I still can't like recall after several listens. I I, 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 I kind of feel the same. Yeah, the, the hook doesn't really grab me, but it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting song, Taylor. Yeah, no, it's yeah, I like it. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's I feel like I really do love the album, but like this one and the same. last one are maybe my least favorites. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like kind of her veering into like vaguely soulful gospel territory, but with like a lot of EDM wub wubs, and it just <laughs> I don't know, it, it works perfectly. It's fine. The lyrics are a little flat too. The lyrics opinion. are a little mm-hmm. flat too. Um, but yeah, so let's just move to the next one, All "Delicate," right. which I my love. Favorite. One of my favorite, definitely one of my top three on this album. Um, it's you know, and it starts out with um, basically the, what's the line? Uh, my reputation's never been worse, so you must like me for me. Yes. Which is just, you know, another great Taylor Swift couplet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do you guys think about it? Well, I love how, like, the word reputation kind of pops up throughout the album. You yeah. It kind of gives it a, a thematic adherence. And, uh, and I don't know if she overplays it, uh, mm-hmm. but, yeah, the, the, it's a great opening line. I like the, the next line, I think, is even better about uh, we can't make any promises, but you can make me a drink. Yes. That's, like, that a very, very good, good very good adult spin on, like, a kind of mm-hmm. classic Taylor sort of lyric. Yeah. Don't know if I'd buy her as, like, an East Side dive bar denizen. That's the one thing that I get really hung up I on, too. Yeah. Well, it's listen, like, she's, I, I, she's not doing shots at the Continental. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I, just, I just don't see that happening. Um, that No, that totally crossed my mind, too. I was like, that must mean at some point that she at least once went to one and was like, this will work for it's, a song. It's possible, you know. Yeah. Which is, can you imagine if you're in that Lower East Side, like, New York City dive bar and Taylor <laughs> oh, Swift is there? It. Like, what would you have done if you were witness to that? I don't know. I, it would be, like, unbelievable. This I wonder whole if... song is just, like, there's a certain sense of normalcy in it that you just don't often hear from Taylor Swift, let alone other mm-hmm. huge pop stars. Like, he's wearing Nikes and jeans. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just, like, really simple qualities that make it relatable. Mm-hmm. But I cut you off. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I wasn't going to say anything important. Don't worry about it. 
Um, no, and, and I also like that it's after, especially after the last two tracks, um, I Did Something Bad and Don't Blame Me, it's very musically minimalist. Mm-hmm. Um, she sounds like her vocal delivery, I think, is one of the best on the record. She sounds just, like, exhausted and wounded. That, yeah. And, you know, like, basically, you know, she's, like, with her delivery, like, taking us to where she was at that point in her life, just feeling battered by, you know, public perception and headlines and yada yada um, to the point where she can just, like, you know, barely, the, the words are a whisper. Um and but yeah, but there's a lot of great detail in it. Um, wait, wait, Andrew, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say that uh, I don't I don't think she, I don't think she actually did any production on this album. But Imogen Heap, who was a, a co-writer, I think a producer on Clean from mm-hmm. the closer on 1989, uh, I think you can really hear her influence on this song. The vocals, uh, it's the yeah. same sort of like proto auto tune kind of mm-hmm. harmonies that are that are you know a lot lighter than other people tend to use it. Uh, and I think it's really it's really very pretty on this song. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a very subtle chorus, but it's very effective. And mm-hmm. I think it's a, this is definitely gonna be a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Agree. Um, so next is "Look What You Made Me Do," which we've had the longest to sit with of yes. any song on this album. Um, I mean, we've talked about it before, so I don't want to get into it too much. But I guess within the context of the album, has the album changed your thoughts on this song, either of you guys? A little bit, I guess. Like, I, I like that it comes after Delicate because that is such a soft song in comparison. Mm-hmm. It really kind of makes this song jump out a little bit. Uh, and I, I guess like, I have a little bit more of an appreciation for just how much is going on in it sonically. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of kind of different structural things going on. There's you know, several different bridges. It's, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's, there's a lot to kind of digest with it. Uh, I still think some of the lyrics are terrible. Yep. And I still think it was like, you know, we, we talked about this on, on our previous podcast, but like, so much of look, look What You Made Me Do was narrative-focused, and it really kind of distracted from everything that I tend to like about Taylor, uh, which, which you can hear in the song a little bit. There is that sort of detail that, that she normally packs into these songs, and there, there are some interesting takes on perspective and things like that, but it's, it's, it's just not my Taylor of choice, Look What You Made Me Do. <laughs> not my Taylor of choice. And, and that line about, like, you locked me out and you threw a feast... It's so ridiculous that she herself says what to it. She's like, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like that, but but I, I hear you. It's okay. I right? could see yeah. definitely going either way with that line. Well, what about you, Lindsay? Um, honestly, it didn't really change for me being in the album. I think it was fine to sort of bury it in the middle. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree with that. Not too much attention placed on it that way. I liked it when it first came out. I thought it was fine. Um, so I guess I'm not really bothered by it any more or less now. But it's not my favorite by any means off the album. Um, I liked it a lot when it came out. I I definitely love it now. I like that it's like the campiest we get on the. You know, she's basically like 1960s Batman cartoon villain. <laughs> oh my god! This. You can see like the the bubbles of uh, yeah. It's I love that. I love that she's leaning into it um, and like playing up the camp factor, which you know we've gotten from her before. I think visually we got it in the Bad Blood video, but like this is like musically like the most ridiculous thing we've heard from her, and and I'm here for yeah. it. But um, next, so it goes, so it goes, dot, dot, dot. Yes. Um, Kurt Vonnegut reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly. Absolutely. I mean, possibly. I don't know. She's, I'm sure she's read Vonnegut. I mean, she, she's a literate human. She, she was a high schooler once. Was she a high schooler, actually? Or? No, she never was a high schooler. All right, so never mind. She, she, yeah, she, she was not a high schooler once. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it goes. What are her thoughts on this one? I cannot remember what this sounds yeah, like. Oh, right? yeah, I was going to have you go first while yeah. I looked at the lyrics to this song. No, so I gave I you a blank really stare. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of the the. It's not one of my favorites. I like it, but it's certainly melodically not one of the most memorable. Yeah, apparently um, not. But and I'm trying to think. I can't even recall the lyrics either. So this is going very. I well. guess I guess we should have, <laughs> uh, we should have prepared more after this one. No, I mean, I, mean I, I remember thinking that it's okay. I'll say that much about "So It Goes." That's my d- d- definitive statement on the song. So it's so it goes. Uh, and yeah, it's sort of a. I guess it's a transition song in between. Look what you made me do and gorgeous, which are two of the kind of tentpole songs in the album. Yes. So maybe it's not unintentional this is one of the less memorable tracks because mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a palate cleanser there all right i'm looking it up looking up the lyrics right now yeah this this one there was the line see you in the dark all eyes on you my magician that one was definitely one of my least favorites because i'm kind of like well, what the hell does that mean yeah, well, what's, like, what's the conspiracy theory about my, you, magician, my magician yeah maybe uh, taylor swift and david blaine yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm looking, none of these are my, like, favorite lyrics on the album. Anyway, so let's move on to Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, Gorgeous. Yes. I loved it when it came out. I still love it. I think Same. it's fantastic. It's so much fun. I love um, just, the, also the humor. I think we talked about this a bit on your podcast, Andrew, but um, there was a lot of humor on Red. It was, you know, uh, the way she delivered all the lines was very goofy and just affable and likable. She's mm-hmm. not really affable and likable on this one so much, but there is a lot of humor on it. Like I appreciate yeah. the stumbling home, drunk to my cat's line, and then so yeah, she and then she's like, unless you want to come along, like it's just it's kind of cheeky. It's winking, and then yeah, there's the little the bell ding after that. I mean, the bell ding throughout is mm-hmm. also just funny, like campy humor. Yeah. Um, but it's a really lovely song too. Like it's genuine. Like this is like probably the closest to like. Old, nah, okay, the last song is the closest to Old Taylor, but this is one of the most, like, 1989-ish songs Definitely. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. What do, what do you guys think? Yeah, uh, it, it does the thing that, like, a lot of the best pop songs do, which is that it, it, it reminds me of something that I can't put my finger on. Like, I, I feel like I've heard a song like this before, but I can't say what it is, and, like, I can't figure out what the obvious reference points are. I think it's just, like, a, a really, really, really well-crafted pop song. And you already mentioned a lot of the best things about it. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, I, I just love that she she does kind of play the villain on it. And, you know, she she she, she openly, like, hits on this guy, but admits that she already has a boyfriend, but still mm-hmm. kind of pursues him anyway. And, yeah. And, but, like, but, you, know, like we, you know, we were talking about this on, on my podcast last week, but, like, it's the kind of song that if it was done from the male perspective, it would sound kind of creepy and, and, and <laughs> definitely, like you know, unrespectable, but uh, from her, it just sounds kind of winking and cute and like, just kind of funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting perspective for her to take. Yeah. I honestly don't have much to add. I just, I like of all the words that she chose gorgeous to describe someone, especially mm-hmm. a man. It's just not yeah. that often mm-hmm. done. It's true. Um, yeah. So that really stood out to me too, but 
yeah, you guys kind of touched on everything else. And there was that video of uh, Selena Gomez singing along to the song in her car, which made me happy because I know Selena Taylor kind of been on the outs of late, and it just seems like a really good sing along in your car sort of song anyway. So yeah, I did not see that. Me neither, but now I want to. Um, Worth worth 12 seconds of your time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I have that kind of time. Um, Next is Getaway Car, which is definitely one of my favorites on the album. Oh, interesting. Um, I love it. I love the lyrics. I love, I knew from the first old fashioned we were cursed. I, you know, I just also liked, like, the kind of moral of it, like, her kind of, like, screwing over a guy and then just being like, well, what do you expect? Like, you met me in a getaway car. Yeah. Um, You know, which is, is like, a very, well, one, it's a great image image for a lot of, um, you know, things we see in in life. You know, there are a lot of relationships where you see someone um, start dating someone while they're either sort of still dating someone else or wrapping down and then th- then that relationship ends like that and there is this kind of thing like well, what do you expect to happen like yeah. there's a pattern here um and i love that she's like kind of self-aware of that and pointing it out and owning it um but it's also still pretty romantic like she's you know like there's still some investment on her from her perspective in this like short brief relationship um but what do you guys think too do you much, not like it? You don't like too, it? Too much Jack Antonoff. Like, there's one song per album of Taylor's now, it seems like, where it's really just a bleacher song with her kind of plugged in, <laughs> and th- this is that song. And that was Out of the Woods in the last one? Yeah, it was Out of the Woods in the last one. And this one, like, so funny. like, the end of the first verse where she, like, the vocals get really fast and aggressive, and it's like, ugh. Yeah, like, no, no, it is, is yeah. Is, uh, I, I can see the guiding hand behind this one, and I'm not yeah. impressed. Sorry. That Jersey earnestness that ends the track. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't dislike the song, but I just, like, couldn't stop laughing through it because I just kept picturing, like, him kind of going intense on the piano behind mm-hmm. her. Like, it takes me out of it a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I guess in general I like the first half of the album better, so I think my commentary might wane a little bit from here <laughs> on out. <laughs> right. um, yeah, the song was all right for me. What about, okay, King of My Heart is next. That's one Again. at first I wasn't crazy into and I think definitely grew on me. Yeah, it's, it's grown on me a little bit, too, but as Lindsay sort of alluded to, this is, like, kind of where the album slows down a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. And, like, for the record, like, every Taylor Swift album does this. 1989 did it. Yeah. Yeah. Speak Now even did it. My favorite album of hers, like, it, it's just, there's always, like, one or two tracks too many, and it, you couldn't really necessarily call this one filler, because it's, 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 it's a well-constructed song, it's interesting, mm-hmm. but it just, I don't know, it doesn't jump off the page. Man, I hate that phrase, king of my heart. Yeah, like, me too. It's, it's, it's really tacky. Little, it phrase yeah. is lame. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. She seems probably above that phrase. Yeah, yes. I would say. There, there are some interesting things going on with the production. The drum sound is pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe earlier in the album would have stood out more. But yeah, this is one I could live without, personally. Mm-hmm. I can, see, Yeah, I can see that. I like it a lot. But I, I think maybe earlier in the album is a good point because it does sort of get lost at this point mm-hmm. um, in a way that it, it didn't jump out till maybe the third or fourth listen to me. And even yeah. then, you're right, I still hate the song title. <laughs> um, Dancing With Our Hands Tied. Another song title I'm not wild yeah. about, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, and, and that one I think is like fine musically. It's like, I feel like this is the, at this point, the album's kind of settling into kind of like a more familiar 1989-ish Jack Antonoff sound mm-hmm. that like yeah. is great and sounds good, but it's certainly less memorable. How, how than... do you interpret that title, by the way? Like, what, what's, the, what's the euphemism there? I think it's a metaphor for trying to let loose, but there are reasons that you, like, can't oh, fully. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I took it as, and I, <laughs> obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I well, have no more insight <laughs> into this than anyone else, but I took it as, like, two people, sort of, I guess, like, gorgeous, like, who aren't supposed to be, like, touching, because mm-hmm. maybe they're, you know betrothed to others <laughs> um <laughs> but like are nevertheless like dancing together or something like oh, that so like, 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 like slow dancing with our hands tied like i, I was just, like picturing like 
know, kind of up-tempo dancing and like just, just limbs flailing everywhere. It's like, do you really need your hands to, to dance like that? But uh, yeah, but yeah, I, 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 I can sort of, I can sort of see where that where that mm-hmm. goes there. But uh, yeah, another song that you know, it's okay. It's it's uh, yeah, it, it's 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 a little bit too much, Jack Antonoff, at this point. But the the, the only the only thing I will say for this song is that it, it's it's another kind of like subdued, like not sort of standout song that leads into one of the the, the obvious best songs on the album, and yes. I, I appreciate that it kind of clears the runway for for dress a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say next up is your favorite on the album, Easily. correct? Yeah. Uh, dress, which mm. is the sexiest we've ever heard from Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's stiff competition, too. Right, exactly. Uh, no, you know, she talks about, this is the one where she talks about buying the dress just so I could take it off. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, you wrote a great piece about this. You, you, you want to take lead on this? Sure. Well, uh, I'll start as I started on, on uh, coming around again last week and talk about the connection between this song and FKA Twigs is Two Weeks, which actually, like, I listened to them back to back today, and, like, as I was listening to Two Weeks, I was singing the chorus to Dress wow. in my head over yeah. it. Like, it's a very similar. up waiting to happen. Yeah, like, I, I would love to see her do it live sometime, but I think now that artists are getting sued for, for any sort of songwriting similarities in between their yeah. songs and pre-existing ones, maybe she's not going to want to take that chance. Well, but, FKA uh, should do it. Like, like, yeah. how, like when Madonna toured and mm-hmm. she did Express Yourself well, and worked Born she, Your Way yeah. into it, yeah, um, uh, to point out the similarities, FKA should do Two Weeks and then put some dress in there. Yeah, a little, This is a little, little like, I'm not going to sue, but I'm going to roast you for this. A live subtweet, certainly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A live yeah. subtweet. Uh, but, you know, Two Weeks was one of my favorite songs of the decade, and, and this song actually mm-hmm. kind of matches it, I think. You know, it's a little bit less intense with, like, the imagery and the lyrics. It's not quite as violent as the FKA Twig song is, but it, it, it's similarly seductive. And this is, I think, the, the best uh, production job that Jack Antonoff does on the album. The, the, the kind of the, the, the twinkling synths in the background mm-hmm. and... Uh, Thudding percussion and it, it, the way it builds up to the chorus is just perfect, and then when it deploys, it, it's, it's I think the most stunning moment on the album. And uh, another thing that I wrote about, but shout out to Taylor for like using the oldest songwriting trick in the book, which is uh, saying the word "stop" and then having the music stop. Yeah, which is it's great though. <laughs> so it works good. so well, and, on and she saves it for the third verse, like after not doing it the first two times around, so that when it does happen, it's still kind of unexpected and mm-hmm. kind of. It really snaps you back to attention if you've started to zone the rest of the song out. What, yeah. what about you, Lindsay? Is, 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 does this rank up there for you? Um, it's it's climbing slowly. Okay. Um, it definitely, Getting up there on the leaderboard? Yeah, it was okay. not even in my initial top five. Oof. Just because, from what I said, like the first half of the album is really the stronger half to me. So those are the songs that I kept gravitating towards. But this is, yeah, it's getting up there. I've listened to it more and more. And, you know, I catch the little nuances, like you just said, that I'm starting to like. Are you looking up the lyrics? <laughs> yes, sorry, I was looking up the lyrics. So there's one on this I like, and I can't remember what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to... I think, you know, you, you covered the gist of it. I, I do think, yeah, this is one of the best on the album. Um, you know, kind of Taylor Swift in very uh, alt territory, works yeah. surprisingly well. Yeah. Sort of like what you were saying with the, the hip-hop, it's the hip-hop-influenced songs, um, is that, you know, you kind of don't realize until you're, like, halfway through it, they're like, oh, this isn't, like, how I pictured Taylor Swift sounding sure. and but mm-hmm. I'm still convinced like it took me mm-hmm. seconds to acclimate to this and it doesn't feel like she's you know she's not trying to make headlines with this song like you know Taylor sings about sex or anything like that mm-hmm. it's really only the one chorus line 
that yeah. you call yeah. explicit. But the rest is just so suggestive, and, and yeah. the music fits along with it so well. That, it's a little steamy. Yeah, there's, it really, there's really feels wine. There's a bathtub. Exactly, it feels like a song about sex without actually like dipping into serious carnality, which would probably yeah. still be a, a bridge too far for Taylor, and they're still largely teen fan base. Well, that's the name of her next album. That was Serious Carnality. <laughs> so I'm pre-ordering that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right now, absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you find it yet? No, I didn't. But say okay. whatever you're gonna well, say. So I think it was a style piece I was reading, or something, just about how. This song in particular really stands out just because of the way she dresses and all of her lyrics up until this point have never even alluded to the imagery of her being undressed. Mm-hmm. And she gave a quote in some interview saying that, like, the second you go there, everyone pictures you naked, whether you're on stage, whether you're listening to the song. And, like, that's something she never wanted for herself. So in her old age, she's <laughs> had a turnaround. The ancient age of 27. Yes. Yeah, see so you're on the next tour. She's going to be like Miley Cyrus in her bangers phase. It's <laughs> yeah. Be, yeah, exactly. Just, just bodies everywhere. Even No, on SNL, though, her performance of um, Are You Ready For It was a little more, I mean, the dance moves were a little more revved up, in my opinion. I, I didn't actually see that yet. How, like, how did she do? What's the general buzz on the street about that? <laughs> I think from what I'm hearing, Let's people think she was lip syncing for Are You no. Ready For It? And I can totally see why people think that. It looks like it. And sounds like it. I'll, I'll say when when I saw her live, like I I, you know, I saw her on the on the, the Speak Now tour in 2011, and like I got so fixated on just like staring at her mouth and, and like trying to figure out the exact times that she was lip syncing because it it just sounded a little bit too perfect, and, and like I, I came away from that like having an appreciation for artists whose voice like audibly cracks when you see them live. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it, it, yeah. Got, it got so distracting, and I, it, it, it wouldn't be shocking. For, for Taylor to do that on SNL now, but it's still a little bit disappointing because you do kind of want to hear the real Taylor. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, Especially the second like one she did, setting, right? mm-hmm. like, yeah. she basically did an acoustic setting for the second song, okay. but we're not yeah. there yet. So. Right, excuse me. Um, but no, yeah, also SNL is like one of the most notoriously difficult stages to play, mm-hmm. so yeah. whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's going to give her a pass on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, next song, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. The other big headline maker, mm-hmm. because this is the the second song that's pretty clearly directed at Kanye and Kim. Um, I think this is another one. I'll say, like King of My Heart, I kind of hate the phrase. This is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> and I kind of went into it too. being like, oh, this is going to be kind of lame. But I actually like the way she delivers it. It's very, it's just like gleefully vindictive. And I think there's something, I think really leading up to this album, public persona wise, she was kind of trying to play herself as like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm above this. I don't want to get into the mud and all this stuff. And here she's just 100% getting into just like yeah. back talking, <laughs> mudslinging, backstabbing. And she sounds so happy doing it. And uh-huh. it's great. And also I love the the way she sings it in this kind of like scolding parent voice it's a, like treating him like a child did we talk about that on no well, no it's, it's funny because we we talked about how patronizing a song innocent was from speak now which yes. is her post VMAs like I forgive you Kanye because you're a little child and mm-hmm. you, know, you don't know what you're doing sort of thing uh, and it's funny this song is actually like twice as patronizing right. as that song but it, but it's more honest about it I think it, yes. it doesn't have the it, you know, it, it, nothing about this song uh, feigns class. Right, exactly. So I think there's, it's a little bit more okay, maybe? Yes, there's no, like, moral high ground suggested. Um, but, yeah, the whole, like, why can't have nice things because you take them and break them is just like yelling at a kid, basically. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, but I'm, I'm there for it. I think it's top half of the album, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an absolutely psychotic song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I kind of like it. Like, I, 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 I appreciate that she saved it for, like, this late in the album and mm-hmm. after Dress, which is, it makes for a pretty nuts transition. Uh 
I hate the way she says baby in the song when she's like, here's to my baby. <laughs> it, sounds like she, it sounds like she's saying bravey. Bravey. I did There's not an R sound in there. Listen to it and you'll never unhear it. She says bravey. She says a couple words about the album Weird for the sake of rhyming. Um, oh, there's one. What's the car that she mentions in one of the songs early on? I, I do not I, recall. I don't remember. I can't remember, but she says it painfully inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not great, but anyway. Yeah, like, like that, that's fine. Uh, her laugh is also like a very unconvincing fake laugh. I kind of like that. Though. Yeah, like, so like, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. It kind of plays yeah. up the artifice of the song in general, mm-hmm. I guess. But it, it's definitely like one of the weirdest listens on a Taylor Swift album that I can recall. Like, it, yeah. it, it's, it's tough to imagine this song existing on any other album, really. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, next up, second to last, Call It What You Want, one of my favorites. I, I love it. <laughs> you were having doubts last week, but that's I did not it, have, No, you guys. We got to a point where you were questioning it because yeah. we were hating so hard. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I and and what I said. Are you a secret Jack Antonoff fanboy, Joe? Like, I think you, you which, like you know, the, it's, the it's, most bleachersy songs on this album. Uh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I like, I do. I like Jack Antonoff. I'm not actually a bleacher stan. Like, there's. Especially in, in this office, I feel like there are many people here who really go hard for bleachers i would not put myself in that category but i mean yeah. yeah i like i like his songwriting and i like his production um work i think you know he's done great work with other people i have to say though i mean also well i don't want to get too far on the antonoff train but um part of me so after finishing melodrama which i know everyone loves and i also liked very much but i was definitely kind of thinking like i would like to hear lord return to a non-antonoff sound mm-hmm. however with that. taylor and jack i'm I would like to hear more from that. Like, I feel like there's just, there's something, I don't know, there's something the two of them together is make is very interesting to me. I just feel like there's endless fodder there. So you're, you're not a stan, but you are a professional shipper of Taylor and Jack. I think, yes, professional <laughs> shipper is accurate. Okay. Um, but yeah, call it what you want. What I said last week was I just feel like in the sense of the album, it would, it would take on a better, uh, a more full quality. And yeah, guess and what? Right. The album came out, and I was right. It totally does that. So history proved me correct. Um, <laughs> what do you What do you think about? Yeah, it? no, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's it, no. I think you know, we talked a little bit last week about how the public is reacting to the advanced tracks on the album as being not representative of the album to come, or maybe just not like the best that they had to offer. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with this song, because it feels like a, a strange choice for an advanced track, for a, like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, a promotional single, whatever you want to call it. Like It's definitely not a standout track on the album, I don't think. Ooh, well, look, I, I, I don't, I don't yeah. even mean in terms of quality. I just mean like if you were to talk about like the five like most attention-grabbing songs, yeah. songs it would definitely not be one of them. Yeah, it's yeah. very it's moodier. Got a great drum snap. Though. Sure, great drum snap. Uh, I, I, like, I like the title, even if it is kind of stolen from Foster the People. No, no shots there. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it, it's there's there's some lyrics that I could take or leave. Uh, the, you know, the chain around the neck one is, is a little the, a Yeah, little 50, that 50. one... I still do not like. But, uh, and the yeah. gun to a knife fight. Yeah, I, I don't like that. that one. Or what is it? A knife, 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 knife to a knife fight. Yeah, yeah. It's, I it's don't been fight done, much. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But go for it. No, it 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 feels a nice uh, kind of transition role in between. Uh, this is why we can't have nice things and the closer. And I guess you know, I, I feel like I've said that about almost every song on this album. I think it's just a well-paced album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is definitely. Yeah. This was the other one that she did on SNL, and she did it stripped down acoustically, which was amazing, I thought. Um, it just kind of reminded you, like, oh, this could have been an older Taylor track for sure, sure. but the production changed it. Um, but yeah, in the context of the album, I definitely like it a lot more than I first did. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, all right, next and last, we have New Year's Day, yeah. which closes the album. Uh, very beautiful, heartfelt piano ballad. 
completely unlike anything else on the album. Um, very sweet. Uh, the, the one thing I'll see, this is a clear, I think, standout for like a an early fan favorite, <laughs> fan favorite, because it sounds like things we've heard from her before, and it's that kind yeah. of like sweet, you know, like unexpected perspective on romance that we're we used to get from her more often. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's great. I think it's really good. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd say one of her best songs ever, but like. It, it's a really beautiful, nice kind of cleanser at the end of an album that's this aggressive yeah, and occasionally true. vicious. Yeah, uh, and I like I like that it's called New Year's Day and takes place on New Year's Day because it gives it kind of like the like an end of an era sort of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, yeah, I like how how like intimate the production is. Like you can actually hear the piano pedals being pressed. It's yeah. sort of the same yeah. thing as uh, Liability on the Lord album, which mm-hmm. is also also a Jack Antonoff joint. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a beautiful note to end on, uh, and, it, and it comes, you know, totally out of nowhere, uh, considering mm-hmm. how, you know, overproduced the rest of the album is, it, it, to, to hear something that's, that's so, so quiet and intimate, it's, it's, it's a be- pretty beautiful note to end on. Yeah. This is a personal you- thing. I just, I don't like when songs are too specific. Okay. Like, I like when they set the scene vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> um, it could be New Year's Day or it could be some <laughs> other vague American holiday. Yeah, I'd prefer mm-hmm. that. Okay. Like, if it was called American Holiday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um... I don't know. This song, I would have been fine if it just wasn't on the album. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I feel don't... like it brings something to it. Yeah. But, if, but To no. compare it to food, you know how after you eat Chinese food and you like green tea ice cream is a really nice, like refreshing taste to end on? Never once had green tea ice cream. At oh, it's amazing. Oh. No, neither um, have I. Okay, well, so no one can relate to this then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get me. Thank you. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, this is what that does for me. It's like you don't need it, but it's nice and refreshing okay. to have if it's there. Okay. But you could Fair. you could also do with just kind of leaving that dumpling taste kind of savory. Exactly, a hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Well, well, fair enough for that, I guess. But no, I, I actually think this is this is one of the songs that's going to stay with me longest from this album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something I just noticed in it today. Um, I mean, obviously the New Year's Day connection, but then there's a line about reading the last page of a book first, mm. and so I was like, oh, that's a line from When Harry Met Sally, where New Year's oh. Day features oh. prominently. So I think huh. this must be sort of like a conscious mm-hmm. nod to that. I mean, Taylor Swift, you know rom-com fan uh, undoubtedly <laughs> familiar with harry met sally front yeah. to back so no and then this is one of the, the fun things about about taylor albums in general i think this one maybe more than 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 any of the other ones so far is that like there really is a lot baked into the lyrics and there's a lot of kind of deep connections to be drawn both within her catalog and the, to the, the catalog of other artists that she works with and other, other artists that she admires and just kind of pop culture in general and like yeah, I've listened to the album like I think five times by now, and every time I'm still finding new things, new kind of connections to draw. Yeah, uh, and and that's pretty cool from a pop album. You don't you don't get that everywhere. Yeah, and then just other one kind of footnote slash aside. Um, one of our, our writers, Allison Stubblebine, wrote a, a fun piece uh, rounding up all the alcohol references on this album. And, but it really, oh, really is its striking, like how much, like way, way more than any other Taylor album. Sure. Like alcohol it's features really so funny. prominently in this. Like, you know, this song is about cleaning up bottles. There's the yeah. line about uh, from the first old fashioned we were cursed. There's the lines about being drunk, uh, mm-hmm. talking about island breezes and turning the lights down low. Like, there's a lot of booze on this album, it's which is. Wine. Spilled wine. It's yeah. a, it's very like, which is kind of a, a a pretty, either subconscious or very direct way of being like, I'm an I'm an adult now. Like by the way, like 
I'm mature and in mature relationships. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Well, here's my question, though. I mean, we, we've also talked about how kind of cars are a recurring motif on this yes. album. Yeah. And we had a piece go up on that That's over right. the weekend, too. So yeah. are you starting to get worried that maybe we need to have a conversation with Taylor about <laughs> uh, you know, not mixing the drinking with the driving? Um, I don't think she's the one doing the driving. That's true. She's usually yeah. in the passenger seat. I, yeah. I doubt that she's the one doing the driving. So yeah. as long as she, you know, she, she keeps her... That's her limo driver. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. Also, I kind of see Taylor as like a two-drink and I'm I'm drunk. That's <laughs> so yeah. true. Lightweight yeah. Taylor. Well, especially yeah. it sounds like she's ordering a lot of expensive drinks. So you know you can only have so many uh, you know, Manhattans or old fashions. Or, right. Exactly. Or, yeah. You're, you're not pounding up. like five old yeah. fashions. You're going to be flat on your face. But, I mean, she's she's a tiny person. Like yeah, yeah, There's yeah, also I'm sure two drinks. You know, probably de- well, we're really getting her. into this. Especially those East Side <laughs> dive bars, man. They they they, they, uh, they make them heavy. Yeah. Well, yeah. To bring it back to Continental, no, I don't think she's ordering the five shots for twelve dollar deal. Shout out to the Continental, which by, by the way is like closing in 2018. Oh, I didn't it's, know that. It's very sad, but uh, that's well. That was they used to be five shots for ten dollars. They they upped it till twelve. That so, means that must the be the problem. People yeah. are like, I will not pay that extra two dollars. <laughs> I'm done with this place. Well, I'm glad it's getting must hear uh, music representation. Yeah, exactly. Days, yeah. Um. All right. Well, I mean, do we have any <laughs> parting thoughts on the album? I mean, we've we've gabbed plenty about it, but uh, well, one one quick side note about it. Uh, do you remember how she had a song with Zayn that went to number two on the charts earlier this year? Right. That's, yeah. I was thinking about that, actually, which I, it, I don't really like that song. I mean, that song was okay, but doesn't it feel like it happened 20 years ago? It, it does. It really does, yeah. I mean, this year has felt like many years. That's, that's a fair point and, yeah, in many ways, but this is certainly one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess maybe it'll be a, you know, if they ever do release like a, a deluxe edition, maybe it'll be a bonus track. But right. otherwise, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a footnote for Taylor. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. All right. Um, well, please tweet us what you thought about the album, uh, favorite tracks, ones you loved, ones you hated. Um, and yeah, and that's all we've got for this reputation-centric episode of Must Your <laughs> Music. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me. And thanks so much for having me on, man. They... My, my first Must Your Music episode. Wait, oh, is wow. it really? I thought you were on one before. Uh, I was on an unofficial uh, Tom Petty oh, well, in that... Memoriam. No, that's, right. uh, that's not the same thing. Basically the same. Whatever. Just it let him have matter. it. It's his first one. <laughs> yeah. Let me have this, Joe. I have so little. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks for joining us, uh, you guys, and thanks for listening. Yeah. All right. Next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.